Welcome to the RPGBot.News. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ashley Live. So I've all called you here because you're here to perform a special job. Right? Listen up. Because this, this note is going to explode after you read it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly on theme. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tyler, what is happening? Tonight we're going to talk about Keys to the Golden Vault. So this was freshly released just last week as of when this episode drops. I don't know when you're listening to this. Just pretend it was last week anyway. So this is the new adventure compendium from Wizards of the Coast for D&D 5e. It is a it is an adventure themed around heists. So, you know, breaking into a place and stealing stuff. It's a great theme. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I, I want to make a distinction, right? We we always break into places and steal stuff. <laughs> the, the difference is we're gonna plan it this time. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that uh yeah, that feels different, doesn't it? Also, the people that we're stealing from uh may or may not, you know, usually they're definitely evil. Maybe they're not evil this time. Uh, a lot of times they're dead. Uh so they're probably not going to be dead this time. Does it still count as breaking and entering if it's a tomb? Or is that a different crime? That is either grave robbing or archaeology depending on how long it's been there. <laughs> Yeah, all right. (laughs) All right, so let's jump in. So the adventure starts with a little blurb. Uh, It says, These short adventures work best with players who enjoy the heist genre. In addition to thrills, drama, strategizing, and twists, each adventure includes opportunities for exploration, role-playing, and combat. So... This isn't uh, this isn't a hack and slash campaign. This isn't your big heroic fantasy. This isn't um, like Rise of Tiamat or any of those things. These are 13 loosely, very, very loosely connected one shots that you can run either standalone or you could just run them back to back as a long form campaign. But this is kind of a genre departure. As far as I know, I don't think TSR or Wizards, like I don't think there's ever been an official heist book for D&D. And yeah, like Tyler alluded to a second ago, what will feel familiar is the loosely coupled set of stories. We've seen a couple of books in the past couple of years like this from Watsi, uh, one of them being Candlekeep, one of them being Radiant Citadel, where if you wanted to string these things together and play them as a campaign, they work. You know, they're level appropriate. You can go from level to level and play through. Um, vice versa, if you're looking to insert something spicy, let's say you've got a homebrew campaign and it's like, look, I just don't have time to plan the next couple sessions. Great. Grab one of these at an appropriate level, stick it in your story, keep everybody happy, keep them guessing, maybe reskin a couple things. And then when you're ready, hop back into your normal story. Yeah, and that's absolutely how these are intended to be used. Like every adventure starts off with guidance for how you can drop the players in. Um, the the thing that loosely connects the adventures, even that is basically just a suggestion. So the adventure itself establishes this organization called the Golden Vault. And it's kind of an extra planar cross-world Robin Hood style organization. It may or may not involve good-aligned metallic dragons, which is intentionally unclear. Um, and the way it's described is like it's a very shadowy, like individual splinter cell-based organization. So 
Like you, you might never meet another member of the Golden Vault. Uh, you might be in the same room with them and both find out, wait, you're in the Golden Vault and like neither of you know anything else about the organization except your immediate compatriots. So it's very easy to just drop in and say like, yeah, you don't know anything. No one knows anything. Best comparison I can make is uh, the Gray Fox quest line from Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, if anybody's played that, where it's just like <laughs> you're given dead drops of things and you have to go and do stuff for a good aligned thieves guild Robin Hood organization and some mysterious sort of Gray Fox. Yeah, that's a great comparison that that kind of dead drop thing like that that's done in a few pieces of media like Mission Impossible. You've got the you know this mission will explode. Uh, which Ash already referenced. There's kind of a like Charlie's Angels vibe thing where it's like you have this box that f- the voice comes out of that gives you instructions. And you're like, yes, thanks, boss. That's only talks to us through this boss. Our uh, our band of merry adventurers is going to go perform hijinks now. Yeah, it is nice to see D&D play with the heist genre because uh, I am a big fan of heists. I think they're fun. And it's a thing that I've wanted to do in D&D, but it's hard to do when you don't have the tools or resources to do it. It does remind me a bit of uh, Blades in the Dark, which is uh, if you really want to get into the heist sort of fantasy, check that game out. Yeah, there are some other RPGs which are more purpose built for heists and like those concepts are more baked into the game. Blades in the Dark is huge right now because it does heists so well and like people are ripping mechanics like clocks out of uh, Blades in the Dark and adapting them to other RPGs. I also see some similarities to Shadowrun. Shadowrun is famously a game about crime let's be honest a lot of it is like corporate espionage and sabotage and things like that which is basically a heist so Shadowrun has this kind of gameplay loop where like you'll get the mission from somebody mr johnson you will research and yes a mr johnson or mrs johnson you'll research and plan the heist so like you'll you'll do footwork you'll learn about the site that you're going to be breaking into you'll learn about who works there figure out where the guard patrols are like like do they have hired uh, hired security or is it all internal like what where are the vulnerabilities things like that so the more research you put in before you go into the heist usually usually the better it goes and one of the interesting things about a shadowrun game is typically Unless you're explicitly hired to murder someone, killing is actually very, very bad because the the police and private law enforcement will ignore a lot of crimes because corporate espionage happens every day. The thing they tend not to ignore is killing people. So it doesn't make you happy. It makes you a target. And it doesn't make your Mr. or Mrs. Johnson happy because now it's more likely whatever they were doing is going to get you know uncovered as part of the murder investigation. Uh, versus in D&D, right? Like, what is our first instinct, typically? <laughs> I don't want this guard talking later. They saw my face. Gonna have to kill the guard. <laughs> no witnesses, no crime. <laughs> um, it, it occurs to me that the next word, the next bullet that I wrote down to describe this in our show notes is execute, which feels like a poor choice of words considering <laughs> we're just talking about killing. <laughs> Yeah. The plan. Uh, execute the plan. I, execute I the mean, plan. Also, the I guard. think a heist has gone wrong if you have to kill people. Yeah. But that is a thing that happens a lot in this book. 
So, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, still D&D. It is still yeah. D&D. There, there are a few places where, yeah, there are a few places where your hand can be forced and combat is basically the only option. Some of the folks you're robbing are really, really bad people and they will kill you to stop you. So, you know, sometimes you don't get a choice, but looking at most of these adventures like most of them can be solved completely combat free if you're clever so wildly on the witchlight was the first official DD adventure that was published where you could solve the entire campaign without combat um and it's exciting to see that done again and like yeah heist the heist genre makes a lot of sense because it's more about like stealth subtlety stealing things misdirection if you go in with like a hitman mentality where it's like i'm gonna lure every single npc into uh into a closet and then kill them one by one so there's no witnesses like that's that's not gonna go well for you don't do that seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So should we talk about some of the heists that are in yeah. this book? Yes. Um, there's so, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, 13. Uh, so this runs levels 1 through 12. Most of the most of the adventures are intended like you start at level X, you end at level X plus 1. So you'll level after almost every adventure with a couple of exceptions. The There's a table in the introduction to the book that says like run this adventure at this level, this adventure at this level. And if you want to run it as a back-to-back campaign, just go through them in order, check that table, and see if they level up after a session. So first, uh, first heist in the list, you rob a museum. This is kind of a kind classic. of a classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen any of the marketing materials, um, there there are a couple of shots from this specific heist. Not all of the enemies in the art are correct to the individual heists as far as I've seen, but yeah. like it's it's close enough. It is worth saying. So we're gonna do our best to be spoiler mostly spoiler free. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about the structure of the heist. So if you're thinking like, oh, you know, should I leave it on? Should I turn it off? Should I leave it on? Should I turn it off? Go ahead and leave it on. We'll talk a little bit about what's going to happen. We'll be vague. It's going to be great. <laughs> we won't tell you anything that's not in the first two paragraphs, like the the introduction summary of the adventure for each thing. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So adventure number two, you rob a casino. Now, if you've seen uh, uh, Casino Royale, like not that. It's not that. Wait, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's what Casino Royale was either, right? No, it was a, that was just a James Bond uh, movie. Fair. I guess it's not much poker. of a heist, was it? No, it yeah. wasn't. Ocean's Eleven is a better comparison. There you also, go. Ocean's yeah. Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen, Ocean's Eight. There's only one. Uh, let's just stick with the one. <laughs> oh, come on. 
Um, I thought they I, were good. The thing I did like about this was that it has mechanics for like casino games and uh, like detailing like how that stuff works. Some of it is more inspired than others. Three Dragon Ante makes a reappearance. The uh, Life and Death game is kind of boring. It's just yeah, <laughs> yeah you're just rolling it's just fifty fifty odds. It's a fifty fifty. Yeah, it's it's not great. Although I do like the copper slots. It's a simple system, but it it's basically what slot machines are. So. Yeah, I love that we have official D&D rules for how slot machines work now. <laughs> <laughs> Steal that for other RPGs. Uh, there's there's a couple of goofy things in this adventure. Like Most of the adventures have a mostly serious tone, and there might be like a joke or two slipped in there here and there. Um, this one's a little odd because it's almost completely serious. Um, but, but then just randomly there's a line thrown in there. The music that plays throughout the casino is illusory and sounds a lot like cowboy country music. So I'm just <laughs> like, you're in there doing your heist shenanigans and like, uh, fiddling and twangy guitar. Like, <laughs> this is so odd. It's so yeah. odd. It's a choice. <laughs> it is a choice. It's not what I would expect in a casino. <laughs> Yeah. It also means that uh, canonically cowboy country music exists in the Forgotten Realms. Yep. <laughs> and that's been my experience. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, actually, the flavor that I took from it was like less Vegas strip casino and more like Wild West poker room and blackjack hall. That's fair. You know what I mean? That's fair. Like that, that's, that's the mode that it put me in. You know, I had more of the Vegas frame of reference just because that's what I know. But now that you mention it, yeah, that makes sense. But both of these fail to account for the fact that the the titular casino known as the afterlife casino is a hell based, like it's hell inspired casino. So it's supposed (laughs) to be like, you know, one of those themed casinos on Las Vegas trip where it's like pirates. Well, this is like casino (laughs) hell, hell casino. It's not based in hell. It's just modeled after hell. It's not in the hells. It's not in the abyss. It's just modeled after. And apparently uh, in, in the hells, in the hells, there's country music apparently <laughs> okay now you know you know what i take it back that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's look at number three so uh this one you you steal a book from a misguided scholar now i think uh i think fans of call of cthulhu and similar games are really gonna enjoy this one it is a uh, reminiscent from one of the introductory scenarios from call of cthulhu it's a haunted yeah. house essentially this one comes with a content warning about body horror only content warning in the entire book this adventure Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and this is the first one where like you're going to be forced to engage in some combat the rest of them combat is mostly like we have made a mistake and now we must fight this one there's going to be some monsters that you have to fight yeah it's more like a classic dungeon crawl uh, number four is a, basically a reverse prison break. So if you saw the free adventure that they shared on D&D Beyond, this is the one they shared. Um, you have to break into a prison, have a nice conversation with somebody, and then sneak back out. There's some fun complications in this one. Like as I was reading through it, there's a lot of ways that it can go wrong. And this is the first one where I looked at it and thought, oh, if combat starts, the players are just straight up dead. Like, yeah. Max- maximum security prison and you're level four. Uh, there's a few of those in here. <laughs> there's yeah. a few of those where it's just like, oh, oh, you're 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 dead now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, when we say heist and uh, not a lot of emphasis on combat, we're we're not kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, number five is uh, uh, you have to defeat a mad scientist who has taken over a Sverfniblin city. Th- this one... Gesundheit? Sverfniblin, deep gnome. <laughs> I yeah. do like the name of this uh, this heist. It's called Talkworth's Clockworks. Yeah. I just thought that uh, was cute. A lot of the names have some have some kind of goofy puns in them. Like this one doesn't take itself too seriously. I, I really enjoyed this one. Like if I was going to run one adventure from this, it would be this one just because this is exactly my sense of humor. Yeah, it's a very weird one. <laughs> uh, number six, you rob a thieves guild, which, uh, you know, we're, we're criming criminals. That's seems like criming a great a, idea. <laughs> it's a double criming. It, it basically yeah. creates nothing. At this point, it's just <laughs> commerce. So two wrong, two wrongs make a right, right? That's how that works. In this case, sure. <laughs> Look, you're working for the Golden Vault. They're the good guys. So what you're doing is morally acceptable. Mm-hmm, well, and, mm-hmm, and technically, mm-hmm. I think you're bringing the stolen goods back to who they originally belonged to, right? That's true. And so That's you true. are yeah, truly reversing. It's a reverse crime. Yeah, there is a whole lot of uh, returning stolen property to the original owners in this, which, you know, if you're going to be a good line thief, that kind of makes sense. Um, all right, number seven, you steal a stolen instrument. This one has like a couple of jokes thrown in there. The theme is mostly serious. Like you get to go to like a country manor and rob some people. I, I'm just going to say the name of an NPC that someone wrote in this book. Trout Bonanza. Yeah, I love it. There's a cow mayor. Like <laughs> this one also a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Does the Count Mayor speak common? Uh, no, but uh, if you complete the quest, it does specifically say, and this is the world's tiniest spoiler, it does say the Count Mayor looks at you approvingly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you can earn the approval of a cow. Congratulations. I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, number eight, you steal from a famous thief. Like the, the NPC you're robbing is established as like some famous cat thief who you've never heard of until now. And you rob her, and like there's some cool drama. Uh, like it, it looks like a solid adventure. The plot's pretty straightforward. Number nine is a reverse heist, uh, where instead of stealing something, you're breaking into somewhere to leave something. Uh, so y- you end up with a cursed item semi accidentally and have to go put it back because the curse is unpleasant. Um, oh, this one also touches on a setting that was introduced in Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. They brought back one of the authors from that. Uh, Now, they never say, like, who writes the specific adventures in any of the books, which I've always found very frustrating. So I don't actually know which author wrote this. But, hey, if you're that author and you're listening, reach out. uh, I'd like to say hi and give you a high five. (laughs) This was a cool adventure. But also there's questions. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Number 10, things start to get, like like more serious uh this one arguably gets a little edgy uh there's a lot of like doom and gloom in this one if you looked at this one for a while you can make some kingdom hearts jokes because like the the plot of the adventure is you have to go steal a king's still beating heart it's like okay take it easy there but it's a cool adventure like the hey it's a rad premise it's a rad premise yeah (laughs) like i i'm way underselling it like this one is really really cool the antagonist at the end is really really neat uh the the like consequences for failure and the like results of success are both really really cool 
yeah, I like this adventure. It, it's it might seem a little campy at first glance, but it's real cool. I mean, they're all kind of campy. That's kind of the point. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's see. Number 11 is your classic train heist where you have to break onto a train and steal something. There's a twist. Yes. This one and the next one were my two favorites. If I was going to run two adventures from this, it would be these two. Uh, I love a good, great tra- uh, train robbery. And uh, I mean, this train goes through time and space. So that's cool. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plane shift is too I direct. Will, I will do a minor spoiler just because I love this so much. So earmuffs, if you don't want to hear it, there is an illithid detective that you can meet on the train. And he has a pipe, and he the, he's a chaotic good. He's a chaotic good illithid investigating a murder on the train, just like a side story that you can investigate. And uh, the book specifically calls out, he says things like, the game is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> and that is I, wonderful. I love that. More of him, <laughs> please. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, so... Something I've learned over time as we've started reviewing all of these, every one of the adventures that Wizards publishes has a spoiler for the next adventure that they're working on. Like, um, Icewind Dale has the crashed spaceship next adventure to come out with Spelljammer. So that may actually be the spoiler for the next adventure. Mm. Planescape? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. There, there's also a bit of text in here wait, that wait, I think you, you can't just throw that out there and then not explain it for folks at home. What's what would be the tie-in between this and Planescape? The interdimensional uh, train that goes through the different planes of existence. Okay, so it isn't Sherlock Mind Flayer. It, it's the the time train. <laughs> it's the um, time train. But if the if the Sherlock Mind Flayer doesn't appear in Planescape, I'm done with you, wizards. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you're on thin ice i mean they're already on thin ice but this 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 would be this would be it i don't care about that right. ogl stuff anymore i just care about this right, so one thing in here true names aren't restricted to spoken language or script a creature's true name could be a specific gesture sound or other type of expression such as the tolling of an iron bell a mathematical equation or a sequence of notes played on a particular kind of instrument which neat i didn't know that and in case you're wondering why tyler is mentioning true names the goal of this adventure is to find a guy who knows uh some true names so that's you're not you're not stealing an object you're stealing information this time and that that is explained in the first couple paragraphs yeah 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 that's not a spoiler (laughs) and then just for folks at home who might not be familiar uh what is the significance of a true name in 5e uh true names uh for like demons or outer planar entities give you full control over that entity it basically they have to do what you say if you know their true name and so especially devils and demons guard their true names fiercely and the person you're trying to find who is named the stranger has been stealing people's true names and he got arrested by modrons and is being taken (laughs) to mechanis on this interdimensional train it's a delightful romp Please check it out. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. All right. We're going to touch on the we're going to touch on the last two real quick and then we'll have opinions. Uh, so number 12, you infiltrate a fancy party to rob the hostess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The party is very cool. Faye go to it. Uh, and then adventure number 13, 
you steal the book of vile darkness no big deal from an afridi <laughs> yeah so it's like you start robbing a, a museum at level one and at level 11 you're stealing the book of vile darkness so, nothing well, you know, can go wrong there nothing at all mm -hmm. uh, all right uh so so throughout this whole thing like we mentioned that there's a few things loosely tying it together there's some suggestions for long-term antagonists that can run through the whole campaign. Uh, rival thieves, you could just throw in another party of adventurers that are also on the adventure trying to beat you. There's allusions to a syndicate of criminals selling stolen goods, both like locally and uh, as you gain levels across the plains, which is pretty cool. Um, there's a rival thieves guild that gets thrown in there. And then... Uh, somebody gave us a backronym and it wasn't me uh there there is eventually a syndicate called the syndicate of terror extortion assassination and larceny steal i'm proud of whoever wrote this no, i'm kidding i love it i think it's <laughs> no, it's 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 fantastic you, you can't you, you can't say anything bad about that like, that's that's great <laughs> um and one last mechanical thing i noticed uh there's a bunch of stat blocks in here for like bosses and stuff no legendary actions are used in the entire adventure. Yeah. Interesting. Like, yeah. So I'm curious if that's a design change that Watsi's going toward in the future. It's, uh, I think it's mostly just to do with the book is less focused on combat encounters. Um, Could be. So that's probably why. All right. We'll have to see what happens in the next book. Mm -hmm. so, and also we'll have to see what happens with one D&D. &D. Yeah. Yeah. So spicy hot opinions. What did you guys think? So I, I like this book. Um, I think that it has a lot of fun, pulpy adventures. I tend to like the compendiums a bit more than the like full-on adventures that Wizards release, just because there's a lot more flexibility and a lot more variety to it. So if I don't like a specific one-shot, uh, one of the adventures, I don't have to use that one. <laughs> so that's great. I did call <laughs> it out. Uh, my two favorites were the, uh, the Interdimensional Train and the Fey Party. I just love... I'm a sucker for you know, these sort of sinister balls sort of thing. There's a really cool twist for that specific one that I'm not going to spoil, but it's really cool. And I think it goes in a direction I was not expecting. So definitely check that one out. If you only run one adventure, it should be that. It also reminded me again of uh, Regency Cthulhu, which was great. Like it really reminded me of Regency Cthulhu, um, especially the first adventure for Regency Cthulhu that they released called The Long Corridor. It very much has a similar vibe to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Feywild, Ball, what more could you ask? It's uh, an archmage who with mysterious intentions and you're being hired by her husband. Great. It's a great setup. <laughs> I love it. A lot of spicy stuff. I do, if I had some criticisms of the book, I do wish that they had more mechanics for heists like we were mentioning blaze in the dark and like the idea of clocks running clocks and stuff like that while they do mention patrols every so often like they don't mention like you know here's here's the patrol schedule maybe have running clocks here's how you can increase the tension they did have uh, a companion post on dnd beyond about running heists which i think is really interesting and i would have liked it to be included in the book because whoever wrote it did a really good job about how to run an effective heist and i would have liked that to be included in the book because i think that's what the book was missing a lot of these feel like just dungeon romps with less combat and so i would have liked them to lean more into that make fifth edition a bit more like play with the 
systems a bit more so that it could be more heist-like. And we'll, we'll stick a link to that article in the show notes. So if you're interested in reading it, you can go find it, see what you thought. So I think I generally agree with Ash. I, I love the compendium aspect of this. I like the idea that I can pick it, pick it up, I can take it with me, use one story, two story, but I don't necessarily have to run it all together in order for it to make sense for my players. The other thing that I really enjoy is we've talked about a lot of things that aren't combat on this podcast. We've talked about, you know, how do you do puzzles? How do you do traps? Um, We've talked about improving social interaction. What I like in this is a lot of times I feel like setting up this type of story, setting up a heist, it's in a space where it's a little uncanny because we're used to doing the RP for social engagement. We're used to doing the mechanics of uh, deception of investigation of sleight of hand, but I feel like chaining it together as part of a story is a weakness that a lot of the other parts of the game we've talked about, like puzzles, like traps, don't necessarily capture. So it's a great opportunity for folks to use skills that matter less often in order to put a story together. And so I think even if you never ran one of these one shots as a storyteller, as a dungeon master reading through this and seeing like, okay, here's how they chain these things together. And that feels really impactful. That's something I might borrow and bring to my own game. Probably makes you a better home brewer for 5e as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could easily see just taking some of these adventures, just popping them into already existing games uh, without breaking too much lore. Like a lot of these feel like if you're running any sort of high fantasy game, you could easily pop these in anywhere. You don't have to run the game as a campaign. While I think it would be fun to do it as a campaign, I could see it getting kind of repetitive after a while because it's very much episodic and you're essentially kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And with a lack of combat, some players are not going to like that. But I think in this case, like some of the companions that they released, I could see running a full campaign with it. This one I feel works better for just plug and play. uh, Just like, taking pieces out and running it yeah i think i agree with both of you guys um they they kept the mechanics very much to what already exists in the core of 5e like they did encourage tweaking the mechanics which probably does make this a lot easier for people to just pick up and run especially if you're doing it as a one shot um if you were going to make heists a serious part of a campaign long term yeah like there's some mechanical changes you could make borrowing stuff from other games like ash suggested that's definitely a good idea um but accessibility is really good here so people being able to just drop this into a game is nice and i think calling it a dungeon romp is accurate i (laughs) like a lot of these if you look at the maps you're just like oh wait this is just a dungeon crawl uh which i don't know you could say you could say heist is a dungeon crawl um, if you use the five room dungeon method, anything's a dungeon crawl. Yeah, I mean, even the train feels like a dungeon crawl. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> it's just linear yeah. and moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed the book a whole lot. Um, I would happily run these adventures as one shots. Um, I think I am one of those people that probably wouldn't endure this for a full campaign because I do enjoy combat so much in my RPGs. Uh, but yeah, like I would run these, I would play this style of game for a few sessions and enjoy it quite a bit. And I, I think they did a good job with this. All right, folks, thanks so much for being with us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. 
You'll find affiliate links for sourcebooks and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. There are literal wolves howling outside my window. Better get familiar. (laughs) 